I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From Backpage, I'm Martin Gregg and this is the 8th episode in this new season of Between the Lines. This is my conversation with my business partner at Backpage, Neil White, about our latest book, Pip City, The Making of a Super Team. It's a book with a very interesting backstory and we thought it would be worth fleshing out the issues we faced bringing it to market. The second part will be out tomorrow and it's my chat with co-author of Pep City, Paul Ballas, a 26-year-old Catalan journalist who you are about to hear us talk about. I'm joined by Neil White and we're going to give you a glimpse behind the scenes of what we're calling one of the biggest football books of the year. What is one of the biggest football books of the year? It's very unusual for you and I to be heading up an, uh, an episode of Between the Lines ourselves, but yes, it's one of our own books. Um, I think you're going to find the interview with Paul really interesting, but the idea of this part is for Martin and I to give you guys a little bit of an origin story, I guess, of how, how the book came around. Not every book that we publish is a bestseller. Um, You'll be surprised to hear. We are sitting here today after several conversations with printers trying to get more copies of this book into the warehouse because it is absolutely flying. The publicity has been massive and a lot of that is built on the access that Lou and Paul have managed to get to Man City in general but Pep specifically and many of the players in the first team. We do want to talk about Lou and Paul because they are two names that will be virtually unknown to a British audience. I'm going to start by talking a little bit about Lou Martin who is quite a kind of legendary Catalan journalist. Um, his name has been on our radar for a few years from, from various associates who keep mentioning him in dispatches. But the first time I encountered the Lou Martin was in the mix zone of the Vicente Calderon in, I'm going to say, 2014. It was a Spain-Italy friendly match, which was Diego Costa's debut for Spain, actually. We were over doing some filming you for... Were. I was over doing some filming for our Spain book, and we were just about to publish the Andrea Pirlo autobiography. The idea was that we would, I would try to catch up with Pirlo in the mix zone after the game. Now, when I got to the mix zone, it was like a, just a sea of bodies. It was an absolute bun fight. And I thought, um, there's no chance of me getting anywhere near Pirlo. I just about did, actually, and, and caught him for about 30 seconds. But as I was standing there, there was this little Catalan guy beside me. And he was kind of striding about, wearing these tight jeans and big Doc Martens. And just looked really cool. He looked like a rock and roll star. I looked over to my right and Cesc Fabregas was walking through the mix zone. And as he was walking through this little Catalan, who I later found out was Lou Martin, shouted at the top of his voice, Francesc! Not Sesk, Francesc. Sunday name. Sesk kind of stopped in his tracks, like it was almost like Wildebeest in the Serengeti, you know, when he's, when he's detected a line, and he kind of stopped, and then he started smiling because he, he obviously realised this was Lou. Now, Lou didn't want to speak to him, it was just like a call of the wild, and then Lou just kind of went back to what he was doing and wandered off. But I just thought, wow, 
this is amazing that he's got this kind of relationship with these guys that he can just basically shout at the top of his voice and then draw like a wry smile from one of the best midfielders in the world. So that was my introduction to Lou Martin. I think it's important because it plays into the relationships that Lou, and we'll get onto the sort of dynamic of Lou and Paul, Batman and Robin when it comes to this book um, in a minute, but it speaks to like the relationships that are really, really important to Lou. And I get the impression now, having worked on this book with these guys for, I don't know, is it 18 months? The, the relationships matter to Lou. He's old school. Like he's old school in the way that he does sports journalism, and he's old school in the way that, you know, it's relationships first, all right? And business, second, third, maybe even fifth. So the key relationship when it comes to this book is that between Lou and Pep Guardiola. So that goes back to, well, it probably predates this. In fact, the introduction to the book that Lou wrote talks about him spotting the sort of famously stick-thin figure of this young Pep Guardiola playing in the Barcelona Cantera when Lou was coming up as a journalist. Um, so the career that Guardiola has as a player first at Barcelona kind of mirrors Lou's um, increasing standing in the world of sports journalism in Spain. And then towards the twilight of Guardiola's playing career, Lou partners with Pep on a book that's kind of like an autobiography to that point. It's interesting because when we first got involved in the project, my memory is that we thought it was a Lou Martin solo production and then the second name popped up and then we realised that he had teamed up with Paul. Mm. He explains a bit in the introduction of why he wanted to do that because I think he felt so close to the subject that he felt that he needed a fresh set of eyes. I think Paul meshes with Lou having you know spent a lot of time with them both on several levels. That's definitely one of them. Paul's a completely different generation to Lou. It's interesting because I remember being at that state, you know, Martin and I were both sports journalists ourselves before we started Backpage. And I remember being sort of the age that Paul is now, which is contemporary to some of the footballers that you're reporting on, um, but younger as well, younger, you know, than, than the sort of senior players that you're reporting on. And whereas when I was at that stage in my career, I was reporting on guys who were not <laughs> elite footballers. Yeah. And it was the lower leagues in Scotland, I guess, at that time for me, occasionally the Premier League. But for Paul, he's a guy in his early to mid-20s and he's mixing it with De Bruyne and Aguero and Zinchenko. Yeah, Paul just turned 26. He's an interesting character. I mean, I've spent quite a lot of time with Paul. I'd say probably the, the main point of contact throughout the whole experience has been me to Paul. And he's immersed as really quite a substantial character. I mean, it takes a lot of confidence to go into rooms with Pep Guardiola and some of the leading footballers in the world and, you know, hold yourself in the right sort of way and get across the questions that you want to ask. And this guy does it. I mean, he's, he's a serious operator. Also, since the books came out, it's became very apparent to us that he's very connected yeah. in the world of British journalism. He gets on with so many people on the, the newspaper beat. They like him, they respect him, they've been waiting for the book. Um, and that's actually facilitated the whole publicity process immensely because this guy, is, this young guy, is so connected into that world. And he's doing it all in his second language. And he's doing it in his second language. They didn't have a great deal of when he moved over. So Paul came over to this country just before Pep Guardiola did. Um, or a little while before Pep Guardiola did. And I think his English has you know, really kind of developed at um, the speed of light since then, to the point now where he's really, as well as driving the editorial content of the book, um, he's really, you know, taken a huge role in the sort of the logistical spreading of the gospel of the book post-publication. So yeah, Paul Ballas, Lou Matan, Batman and Robin, two different parts of the puzzle, but uh, yeah. 
it's been great to work with them both. Let's take you back to the first meeting that we had with them, which was in Manchester in, what kind of restaurant was it again? Brazilian restaurant. It was a Brazilian restaurant. We were drinking, bizarrely drinking cans of Red Stripe. Classic. Um, and we had this planning meeting where we said to them that their two-season book, which came out in Spain uh, a few months before that, we said to them, look, you need to make this into a three-season book. So Paul and Lou wrote, they had access to... Um, the city machine for the first two seasons of the Pep Guardiola era. So that's 1617 and then 1718, which is the 100 point title one. So they wrote a book off the back of those two seasons, published it in Spain with a small publisher, and we acquired initially the rights to translate and publish that book in this country. Um, by the time that we were meeting these guys, they were less than happy with the way things had gone with the, the first book in Spain. And also what became clear was the third season of the run, so this is season 18, 19, was developing into a part of the story that you just could not ignore. It was going to be a head-to-head -head between them and Liverpool for the Premier League title. At that point, they were still in every single competition that they had um, started competing for. So we, at that point, started to talk to these guys about whether or not it would be possible to take their initial two-season book and to stretch it across that third season, whatever the outcome of, of that was, and really repackage and re-edit that book for the key thing for a UK market. Yeah, I mean, it sounded so much easier than, than it everything later turned out. When you after, have a couple of cans of red stripe, After three cans easy. of red stripe, it seemed so much easier. But I remember Lou actually saying in that meeting that this is basically a new book. And I remember us saying afterwards, no, he, he's kind of called that wrong. It's not a new book, it's just the existing material. And if we carefully manage the additional material, then we can slot that. And, and everything will be fine and we can go on with our lives. But Lou was right. actually closer to the truth yeah. than we were because, I mean, this was a major, major editorial job. And they had to write a lot of new content, um, rolling content as that season was unfolding, yeah. which we were editing right behind them. But also we were translating the entire manuscript of the Spanish edition, which really needed quite a lot of surgery in light of the additional material that they were producing. So major editorial and structural changes to try and get this book out in decent time. In terms of the final edition, um, I think we should point out that one of the, the challenges from our point of view is dealing with authors, managing their expectations. That was a process that we had to go through with Paul and Lou because we were cutting back some of the material. We were excising completely some of the material. And they had, they had never, they did not write the original book with one eye on the UK market whatsoever. They were really, it was kind of like a sort of Bill Bryson, look at these amusing English and the way they do their football, as well as this great access. It was very much, you know, uh, told from a, a sort of Spanish and Catalan perspective. So yeah, there was, there was a lot of work to be done. There was a lot of back and forth. I mean, it was a really kind of like open, healthy, creative, but strident, robust. ongoing, robust, <laughs> ongoing conversation between Martin and I on one side and Paul and Lou on the other as to what should stay, what needed to be amended, what needed to be updated, as well as the writing work these guys were doing. They were like actually getting fresh interviews mid-season, even towards the business end of that season, with elite footballers and coaches who like you know if you got one if you're i imagine if you're a beat journalist around manchester if you get one one-on-one -on -one sit down during the course of a season you probably think okay that's par we were asking them to deliver a couple of months and they were doing it 
you know, which talks again to the level of access they have. I mean, I think the conversations we had were very productive with them. Some of them were very difficult. I could see them wincing um, with some of the suggestions we made to them. They accepted quite a lot of them. They pushed back on quite a few. And I have to say the ones that they pushed back on in retrospect, they were right to do that. Yeah. So they had a good perspective on how the book should look as a three season book as well. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I mean, we've had you know, a, a range of different experiences over the last 10 years in terms of dealing with authors, but I, I, f I found it to be a really healthy relationship. The managing of that creative conflict made for a better book. I agree, and I think certainly towards the end, which is when everybody was under the most stress, and it was really stressful, you know, we, yeah. were, we were working on that in real time, knowing that we had to publish as close as possible to the end of the season, before the season that we're currently in, 1920, caught, you know, caught fire before the midpoint of this season. We knew this, had, this book had to be out for the, sort of the Christmas market when people were still connected to the season just finished. And by that point, there was an element of trust between the guys yeah. and, and us. You know, we trusted them when they kicked back. And I think on the whole, they, they trusted us if we said, you know, this is, a, you know, this is a, an amendment or a cut that has to be made for this audience. You know, this is something that people don't know enough about. Or this is something that the people reading this book already kind of know about mm -hmm. and this can go. And yeah, by the end of the process, I think we were working hard and together and like we were on the same track. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To give you a flavour of the content of the book, we published Pet Confidential by Marty Piran now mm. in 2015, which is actually quite a technical book, quite a tactical book. Um, there's a lot of detailed information on how pet works on the training ground i would say this book is quite different actually i'd say it's more personality led there's Absolutely. a lot of chapters based around the big personalities in that city squad from de bruyne to sani to raheem sterling so i think if people are expecting pet con part two it's not quite that but i think there's plenty of substance there as well and like maybe you should talk a little bit about Mikel arteta and some of the stuff that he brings to the book pep confidential was often a camera eye on guardiola in training or on the team bus or after a match you know in the players lounge and there's more pep direct pep access in this book but the the guy the one guy who really um, fleshes out the portrait that you're getting of Guardiola is undoubtedly Mikel Arteta and I know that the consensus is that Arteta is a rising star in the Man City coaching staff whatever his next move is going to be and that is only reinforced by this book you know every time 
he is quoted extensively, he's kind of like really shedding a light on whichever issue he's talking about. You know, the, the quotes are rich, he's always got insight. It remains to be seen whether Arteta has the kind of force of personality totally. that Pep Guardiola has to command the dressing room, but in terms of his technical knowledge, he's, mm. he's unbelievable in this book. So that was a real revelation to us, I think. Um, let's talk about our favourite chapters. I'm, I'm actually going to pick one which is, we call it a making of chapter which is like a short snapshot of one particular game defining moments of the three seasons so we picked out maybe maybe 10 12 throughout the book and and, and Paul and Lou dropped him in uh, and one of them is a Man City 6 Chelsea nil game February 2019 and it was widely acknowledged within the dressing room that this was the closest they'd ever got to Pep's great Barca team in terms of the style of play that day and the complete destruction of uh, Sarri's Chelsea and um, but the, the thing that I loved about the chapter is the interview, the, the lead analyst, who's Carlos Planchart, mm. and, and he basically just gives you the entire game plan. Gives you the he, he, like, word for word, what must have been imparted to the players. To have that kind of insight into how something like that is orchestrated is just, you just can't beat it. No, it's incredible. Planchart's really interesting. I mean, I could have done with more Planchart during the course of the book purely because he, you imagine that he is the point at which to cross over into another of our 2019 releases, Astro Bowl, he is the point at which the data side, you know, the analysis side of the city operation meets that inspirational Guardiola side and is digested by the players. You know, his, his explanation of their game plan for that, which doesn't take up a lot of space at all. I mean, that's a really short chapter and Planchot's input in that chapter is, is shorter still, but it's, it's so rich and you kind of get the, you kind of get a flavour of what happens when they're spinning through hours and hours of tape in these analysis sessions. It's really, really cool. My favorite passage, the Romarification of Raheem Sterling. I love it. The Raheem Sterling chapter actually doesn't have unbelievable access to Sterling himself. It's a picture that has to get drawn out by other people around him. And this section actually comes directly from Guardiola, which is obviously amazing. And Guardiola is talking about the adjustments that he has to make to Sterling's game to make him the integral part of his team that he has become. And the point of reference that he kind of highlights is his own experience as a deep line midfielder for the Barcelona team that he played for in the early 90s when he had ahead of him the Brazilian centre forward Romario, who I guess is kind of in the Sergio Aguero mould in terms of sort of stature and mobility and maybe a bit more back to goal than Aguero is. But he described how he, when he saw Romario's body shape changing, when he went on the half turn, that's when he knew that um, he had to give that guy the ball that he was going. So he changed the way that Sterling, or he, he tried to change the way that Sterling looked at the midfielders behind him basically to receive the ball, to maximize that kind of explosive acceleration that he has and to get him in on goal quicker. And reading that section, it's kind of like the Planchart section, actually, that you've picked out mm. in the other chapter, because you just have this insight into those eureka moments, which is something that Guardiola talks about in, in um, Pep Confidential, funnily enough. The eureka moments when he's like, okay, I've got it. You know, I've, I've delved through hours and hours of tape. I've ransacked my own sort of personal hard drive of a lifetime's experience in football, and I've got the solution for this guy or this game, this opponent. We have a quote from Pep Guardiola on the front cover. Three words, and it says, a great read. You've no idea how long it took <laughs> us to get this quote. It was literally days before going to the printers. Maybe even a day. People have 
given us a, a light ribbing, shall we say, about <clears throat> the fact that this is a book centred on Pep Guardiola and he's saying on the front, it's a great read. <laughs> Fair enough. But from our point of view, we had to make the statement that this is not what we call in journalism a cut's job. This is not a journalist who you know ploughed through lots of articles in Pep Guardiola, mined all the, the best quotes and put them together into a book. This was insider access. That quote speaks to the access. We need to be bold about that. We need to be commercial. We need to sell books. We had huge upfront costs for this book. That is a massive selling point. I understand that people can take the piss out of us a little bit for it. Fine. But that's why it's there and that's why it has to be there. Yeah, it reminds me of the little um, message you get from American politicians at the end of political adverts on the television over there where the candidate um, will pop up at the end and say, you know, my name is Barack Obama and I support this message. And that's, that's it, you know, it makes it official, it's an endorsement. So I think as a close friend of ours said, it really doesn't matter what those words are. You know, if you've got four words from Pep Guardiola in the front of that book saying, I'm, I'm down with this, that, that could have been it, Pep Guardiola, I'm down with this. <laughs> and that would have been fine. Yeah, um, I, just, I think we should finish off by talking a bit about the tone of the book. One of the things that we try to steer away from as much as possible, and I think our radars are very highly attuned to it, is hagiography. Mm. Producing a book like this, from our point of view, has to contain real substance. Yes, we understood that it was going to be an affectionate portrait of Pep and Man City, that's fair enough, but the one thing that we had in mind throughout the entire editorial process, we couldn't allow any kind of tonal slides into hagiography it's weird because the reality of the, that level of access to a international organisation like Manchester City is that they have to know that to a degree there's not going to be too much friendly fire coming their way, but the flip side is that you, you do need to have an authentic journalistic eye on what you're seeing, what you've been given the access to, and that's the line you have to walk, and I think these mm. guys you know, walked it. I think we made sure that they did. There are brutally honest appraisals of decisions that Pep made that did work and also that didn't work. Mm. There's stuff in Claudio Bravo, there's stuff in Fabian Delph. There is stuff in there that you think... Even that, in, in the transfer dealings, I mean, there's a great side-by-side -side of, of two picks that they made. I mean, even... It's a good illustration because these are both multi-million transfer deals, but at the time they're, they're, they're sort of punts. One of them is Alexander Zinchenko from uh, a team in the Ukraine, I think, or maybe Russia. And then the other one is this highly sought after um, South American player, similar age profile. And it kind of shows you the what happened to both those players after they were recruited. So one story ends with a first team starter and one does not. And this is a good example of the way that these guys sort of report both sides of the story. Pep City is available everywhere now. Please check out the rest of this season of Between the Lines. The first seven episodes feature interviews with Ben Reiter, Oliver Kay, Loris Donegan, Andy Mitten, Daniel Gray, Hugh McDonald, and David Goldblatt. The final episode of the season goes out next week and it's a documentary on the miracle of Castel de Sangro. Finally, if you've enjoyed this, please leave a review, tell a friend, spread the word.